And if you're drawing an extra 100,000 fans, you're making way more than $150,000. Okay, you mean the tickets are no longer $1.50 each? (laughs) (laughs) If you had held your breath until Jose Bautista signed the contract, you would be stone dead. on the right start with his joke he said i really never could take a walk in my career but this walk will be my biggest yet i'm walking away from baseball and welcome to artificial turf wars episode number 42 of all the blue jays podcasts available on itunes this is the one with us on it i am your host greg wisniewski and i am joined tonight by josh Housem. josh how you doing i'm good you uh, good, we, uh, because we waited long enough that we actually have things to talk about. Oh, the offseason. We got Jose <laughs> Bautista, we got rumors about Andrew McCutcheon, uh, we got arbitration figures exchanged and arbitration settled and money and this and that. We have, uh, as we record this, the Hall of Fame inductions were announced, including Tim Raines, the much-deserving Tim Raines. Um, we have a bunch of listener questions. Thanks, folks. We'll get to all, all those, I hope. Uh, a couple of former Blue Jays note, notes. We have a do-over. We have a gold star. We, do we have everything? We got two weeks worth of content here. <laughs> um, Actually, so, it's probably more than two weeks because it's more like a month because we did the Hall of Fame thing last week or last time. Yeah, but there was nothing to talk about in those two weeks. We, we literally covered it in 10 minutes, which is just was pitiful. Um, what is not <laughs> pitiful, indeed, what is what is really fantastic is something that I'd like to start off with this. All right, who is back but Jose Bautista? Now formerly known as Shady. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Shady Bautista. Awesome. I, I don't know. Whatever works. Uh... <laughs> uh this, of course, makes us very, very happy around here because it made so much bloody sense. Made sense like a month ago. Yeah, I think we talked about it a month ago on the podcast. <laughs> it's like, is Marcus going to be falling? Jays need an outfielder. <laughs> but it happened. He's here. And rarely, so rarely does the logical thing happen in baseball. So many weird yeah. things happen, and there's so many pieces in play that it seems to me exceedingly rare that the thing you expect to happen actually happens, or the thing you think should happen actually happens. Because um, there's just like 800 players in Major League Baseball. Not all of them are on the move, but it's like, how many times have we heard about a trade and we're, we're scrambling to look up two of the guys out of the, the five in the trade? Like, Who is this guy? Where'd he come from? Um, well, okay, in fairness, Greg, that's for you if just the, the headline players coming from the National League. True absolutely true <laughs> unless they play for the dodgers in which case hey i'm good that way uh all right throw the numbers at me hit me with the digits jose Bautista. okay so it's 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 actually a weird contract that he signed yeah, yeah you, we were predicting that <laughs> yeah no we were not so it's a one-year guaranteed deal for 18 million dollars but then there's a mutual option for 17 million with $500,000 buyout. And then on top of that, if the mutual option is picked up, there is a vesting option for $20 million for a third year that vests if he plays 300 games between 2017 and 2018. Now, to clarify, I, I, I know this is, sounds like a dumb question, but mutual option is they either of them can pick it up or both of them have to pick it up. 
both of them have to. So both if either one of them declines it, he becomes a free agent. Which is, of course, our most likely scenario, especially since it only costs the Jays a half million to decline if they have any suspicions. Right. Not much of yeah, a exactly. pill. No, exactly. So if Bautista has a great year, he's going to decline it because he can go out and get a longer-term deal in free agency. If he doesn't, the Blue Jays will decline it. The only time you really see mutual options picked up is if the buyout is huge and the player's value comes somewhere between the contract number and the contract number minus the buyout number. Right, because they, but, they, that's the, the disincentive that the team has is they're going to pay so many million dollars anyway. They might as well pay him the whole thing and, and get some value out of him and not have to go hunting around for someone who's going to overperform. Right, exactly. And Thanks. so, that, but that's not the case here because it's five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And the other way that the, he would potentially pick this up is if those vesting options were, you know, play two hundred games, something he's easily going to reach, which could make it a two-year, thirty-seven million dollar vesting option essentially. But at three hundred games, at ages thirty-six and thirty-seven, that ain't going to happen. No, it literally means he can miss twelve games a year. I haven't even looked it up. When was the last time Jose Bautista played 150 games in back-to-back years? Was it 2010, 2011? No, it was actually 2014 and 2015. Really? He he played 150 plus in 2015? He did. Yeah, it was surprising. But then last year was a 120 or so. You know, it was... He basically, it's like, it's really, really not likely to happen. And Jonah Bierenbaum, who's the sports editor at The Score, actually sent me a tweet that said since 1920 only 23 players have logged 300 plus games in their age 36 37 seasons talk about long odds so yeah we should just be happy he's back for this year because there are no bad one-year contracts yeah and you know he fits in obviously perfectly slots right back in the middle of the order he's not you know the great defender that he once was or he was never a great defender, but he's a bad <laughs> defender now. <laughs> I was going to say, when was the great defender portion of his career? I, I remember the passable defender portion. Um. <laughs> so, you know, who knows? I mean, but John Gibbons on the radio was saying that he's their right fielder, but I could definitely see him spending some time in left, some time at first. So I did, I did find uh, in my travels a Jose Bautista hater. Uh, this was not on the internet. This was in real life, which which I, I brought up the Blue Jays. But I forget what was uh, someone was going through old tickets they had or something, and uh, they are not a Bautista fan. I, I did not understand that these people dislike Jose, some of them as much as we like him. Oh yeah, I mean he's one of the most polarizing players I've ever seen. You know, at least in Toronto. I mean, guys like Barry Bonds and them, they you know they had their haters for different reasons, but Bautista gets so much vitriol. It's I mean. Even just like so, our site actually broke the news of his re-signing, which is rare for us, but very cool. And the replies in the Twitter account were <laughs> not nice. Some of them. <laughs> so here's an interesting couple of things uh, that this person said, and and I I know I've heard them versions of them expressed online, but I thought interesting to hear. Uh, number one was. Um, they couldn't find a place for his bat in the lineup last year. That's how bad he was. So much so that he was Wait. batting leadoff. <laughs> yeah. One now, second. couldn't find a place for him. <laughs> he was always batting one, three, or four. I didn't know how to explain to the person that when you can't find a place for a person, you want to give them less plate appearances, and therefore you keep shoving them down in the lineup until they don't show up as often, as opposed to the 
opposite, which is what happened to Jose Batista, because those three positions indicate he's one of the best two hitters on the team, as far as the team is concerned. And that he has a particular set of skills, batting leadoff, that nobody else on the team had at that point. So yeah. I didn't I didn't know what to say to that. Like, I didn't know how to explain baseball to that person. <laughs> so that's one. Then number two, which I thought, I, I just, uh, they said to me, well, I, his attitude, and, and he's, you know, he's such a poor teammate, he's really holding this team back. And I said, well, they did do pretty okay by getting to the ALCS the last two years. And this person's response was instantly, well, they didn't go all the way. And that was Jose Bautista's fault. So every team except the Cleveland, (laughs) the Cubs, the Royals, and the Mets have players holding them back. Well, they're... they're, Their attitude. Yeah, they're bad teams. Unless you're in the World Series, you've achieved nothing. I I don't... (laughs) Yeah, so we didn't talk much about baseball after that. Uh, no, I would even though not. it was something we had in common. So in case you're looking for at least one insight into the mind of the Jose Batista hater, there it is. Uh, I'm sorry, but he, now that you're he's wrong. Got, yeah, you're wrong because <laughs> you got one more year left. And, and other than some of Carlos Delgado's rather obscene numbers, uh, Jose Batista is by many, many measures already the greatest Blue Jay of all time. All he has to have is a Jose Bautista season and he pretty much cement himself in that place for another what, 20 years? Oh, yeah. And here's, here's the funny thing, too. You, you mentioned like the oh, Jose Bautista season. If he has one of those, the Jays are like a one-year deal for a guy putting up numbers like that. You're kidding me. <laughs> but, I mean, last year, people have this perception that he was bad. He was just not Jose Bautista good. I mean, he still had a 366 on-base percentage and a 452 slugging. Yeah, which most people would take from their right fielder. Most oh, teams. yeah. And th- yeah. Yeah, and, and after he returned from the second disabled stint, his on-base percentage was over 400. I mean, that's really good. It's it's incredible. that I, I Again, I, I understand he, he comes off like a bit of a baby sometimes, and I, I know he pouts a lot, but the reason he's pouting is usually because he knows how good he actually is and feels like somebody's in his way. I don't know. I'm sure he actually blames himself sometimes, but he's not going to say that to the media. <laughs> no but anyway it's like it's awesome that he's back and we're very very happy about it Indeed. but before we move on mm-hmm. I, I, I do want to touch on the other aspect of his contract which a lot of people got very confused at so in addition to the options and the buyouts and all the weird stuff going on there Bautista also has attendance bonuses in his contract I can't remember if we talked about this when we talked about Edwin Encarnacion with Cleveland yes uh, I don't think we mentioned it, but it has come up that, that if Cleveland pulls X number of fans, he gets a little bonus. And Bautista has something very similar. For for every uh, 100,000 fans from 3.5 million to 4 million, Bautista gets $150,000. I do believe the last time the Jays pulled 4 million was 1993 or maybe maybe 95. I don't know if there was some tail off. Obviously they well, yeah, and with the capacity yeah. of the stadium now, they'd have to sell out every single box in every seat, and they would just barely squeak to four million. Technically, at forty-eight thousand capacity, you can't get there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but what's interesting about contracts like this, and people, you know, they don't get it. It's, so the the Jays drew three point three nine million fans last year, mm-hmm. and the reason contracts less, like this work for teams like the Blue Jays and like Cleveland, and if you're a team that's up against some sort of payroll figure. 
and you want to bring back a guy, sign a guy that's contract has fallen a little bit, you can throw in these clauses because it's basically saying, look, we want to pay you more, but we can't. But if we draw these fans, we can pay you and therefore we will make sure you get it. And it literally pays for itself. Right, exactly. So, you know, it's an incentive for the player in the sense that it's like, okay, I can earn more money if they get it because they just don't have it right now. But for the team, it's a no no lose situation. If you're drawing an extra hundred thousand fans, you're making way more than one hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> okay, you mean the tickets are no longer a dollar fifty each? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's as, a as I recall, it was a little more than a dollar fifty last time I purchased a ticket. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thinking behind it. It's not that this. It's not this idea that Bautista or Encarnacion or whomever is going to bring in more fans. No, which is how often people are portrayed. It's like, oh, it's like they sign this guy, the more people are going to come. No, it's just if more people come, this guy, we can pay him more what we think he's worth. Indeed. Uh, Speaking of outfielders and bringing people in, bringing Andrew McCutcheon in keeps keeps popping up. Like I thought this was dead and buried a month ago and then it came back. Yeah, I mean, there's a rumor that popped up a few days ago that apparently they tried really hard to get Andrew McCutcheon and Tony Watson, who's their left-handed closer, uh, almost right before when they they got Bautista. Basically, that they found out they couldn't get him, so they circled back. Yeah. I mean, what? the rumor was crazy. It was like they're giving up Biagini, Tellez, uh, Vlad Jr., Sean Reed Foley, and Harold Ramirez, who they actually got from the Pirates. <laughs> wow, that... That's the one that really makes sense because obviously the pirates don't know exactly what they had in the Harold Ramirez department. I'm always suspicious about numbers that or rumors that throw around like six or seven names and then get pulled right back off the table. Like, I, well, no, I, I, I no. The rumors that the pirates turned it down, and I can actually understand why they would. Uh, if I if I was the pirates, I wouldn't take that deal either based on what we know of them. I mean, they had an offer of Lucas Giolito and Victor Robles and another player, and they turned that down. Well, that's better than that Jays package. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The- it sounds like they really wanted stars, and they were also giving up Tony Watson, who has a ton of value too. The surprising aspect is the Jays apparently offering that based on everything we think we know about the front office. Which is apparently that the front office does value prospects and has been trying to reorient themselves to have some on hand from the Anthopolis period where prospects were to be set on fire and set free. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, I'm not too upset with that way of thinking, but, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know how true that specific rumor is that you never really know who was offered for what, but the fact that they're going after Andrew McCutcheon, which has come from multiple sources now, and that they want a guy like Tony Watson who's not going to come cheat. It shows they are at least having some willingness to trade from the farm to fill his major league roster. Uh, and then, of course, the issue comes that, that Kutch is not going to get any cheaper going forward. And uh, we keep talking about payroll, which is my way of segueing into arbitration as well. So Smooth. we talked to Shai Davidi, <laughs> and we talked about his guesstimate of $165 million for this this coming season or was it 160 from shy he had 160 and rick westhead said 165 so this is this is the ballpark that they're in right now the luxury tax threshold sits it's still at 189 for the coming year and then creeps up a little bit over the next whatever it is five years of the cba so they 
but we don't really know if that's a hard cap for them or not. We still don't know, even after like how many years of is this a hard cap? <laughs> well, there's actually an interesting rumor that came out about that today as well on the Jeff Blair show. He was saying that Eddie Rogers, our good buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that he and Shapiro have sort of had this relationship that he approved extra funds to bring Bautista back. Is he allowed to do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, technically, he doesn't run the media division. I don't know exactly how it works, but he is listed as the president of the Blue Jays, so it's possible he can, you know, at least pull some strings to get it done. He's listed as a lot of things, and I, I'm not sure that. Yeah, I don't understand that relationship at all. But again, they've never been very forthcoming with exactly what that relationship is. Uh, not just the Edward Rogers, but the actual payroll versus the parent company versus the actual Blue Jays organization. How that exactly works. Uh, we, we always hear that, obviously, they have to go for, to them for the money. But somehow the money's been there. They took on money last year. So what are the, did you have what the Jays are sitting at right now before arbitration? Or sorry, after, I guess, everybody but Marcus Stroman in arbitration? Yeah, I do. Uh, they're, they're, uh, well, and with the Bautista contract, they're at around $155 million. By the way, just a note from earlier, they actually, the electric tax is going to 195 this year. Okay. Yeah, not that the Jays are going to get there, but yeah, they're, they're at about $155 million. And they have exchanged... Okay, so they settled arbitration with... Darwin Barney for 2.89 ish million dollars, which I don't get that one. <laughs> it just doesn't make. Uh, he bring he has a particular set of skills. <laughs> I don't know that same, that's even same true. ones as Ryan Goins who makes the league minimum. <laughs> um, I think Darwin Barney can out hit Ryan Goins. I do too, but if it's your backup infielder and yeah. you're stretched for budget money, why pay the extra two million bucks? Um, <laughs> I thought that was as good explanation as you're going to get out of the team. <laughs> uh, what was the other one? There were two more. Aaron Loop yes. for $1.125 million, which is it's nothing. I mean, he, he, so not even a raise from his deal last year, really, because he was in the minors all season. And the other one, which was confusing to me, well, to some level, Ezekiel Carrera for $1.16 million. Who... If okay, is Ezekiel Carrera on this team if they sign another outfielder? He shouldn't be. There's no room for him if they sign another outfielder. That's what I'm thinking. Like you, you already have Upton to do his same job, right? Everything that Ezekiel Carrera can do, Justin Upton can. Justin Upton. Well, yeah, definitely Justin. Ah, whoops. <laughs> Melvin Upton can, can do better. Just call him the beach. Just confuse everybody. <laughs> By the end yes. of the year, we're going to have people convinced that there are three Upton brothers in the league right now. <laughs> Uh, so you give Ezekiel Carrera a million dollars to hang around and possibly not even take spring training with the team that's yeah I mean if they get another there's just no even if they don't get another there's no room for Ezekiel Carrera on the team he can't do anything that Upton can't do you could send Justin Smoke packing and keep him around good luck with that one Uh, you know what? It occurs to me, I did not tee this up, but I, I better squeeze it in here somewhere. Um, the World Baseball Classic is this year. Russell Martin, Our, shortstop. 
<laughs> that's the talk about your your things coming out of nowhere we're still in the middle of arbitration discussion <laughs> well okay all we have is marcus stroman so well who actually did not settle at the three million and change that the jays were offering yeah the jays offered 3.1 million and he countered with 3.4 and there was a lot of people when this came out three hundred thousand dollars what a stupid difference to fight over. Just sign him. You know, this is like last year with Donaldson, 450000 mm-hmm. The difference is that when Donaldson was 450000 it was at like $12 bucks. This is 10% of the contract. It's not nothing. And it's a multiplier factor as well every time he goes to ARB now. Exactly. Like, so, but, I, yeah. I yeah, guess so people I mean, don't so, understand that it's a, it's, it, it is a, it's a ramp you start to climb in arbitration unless you get hurt. Um, that $300,000 now affects next year by a factor of 1.2 at, at least yeah probably even more than that now with the way the races are going up yeah you know it's a, and it's a good starting point for a long distance long long distance <laughs> long-term <laughs> contract if they want it <laughs> uh yeah which is always a possibility they they could be buying something out with with uh with stroman whether arbiers or or more it depends on what stroman's agent is up to his agent of course is not scott boris <laughs> Correct. I, I am going to skip the whole Aaron Sanchez, Marcus Stroman thing. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. We don't need to talk about that. All you right. want to talk about the World Baseball Classic? Apparently, we do. Because was it not the last World Baseball Classic that Russell Martin said he was not going to play unless he could play shortstop? And they said, "Thank you very much. We don't need you to play shortstop." <laughs> yep. And now it's like, oh my god, we're so lucky to have Russell Martin want to play shortstop for us. <laughs> did did anything happen hard? other than him getting four years older? Yeah, uh, probably that they said he wouldn't be allowed to play if he had a catch. <sighs> this Canadian team is going to be something else. Hey, Eric Gagne and Ryan Dempster are coming back. To coach? <laughs> to play. <laughs> oh. Are they going to let Ernie Witt catch instead of coach this time? Is that going to be the thing? Oh. <laughs> Joey Votto said thanks, but I gotta I gotta work on actual baseball. Yeah, but Freddie Freeman's gonna play. Which is just because his mom's Canadian? Is that what it was? Both of his parents are Canadian. Oh, okay. Well, but he's a free man. He can play anywhere he wants. Oh. All right, I'll get out of here. Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> the Hall of Fame came down and uh our pre filled Tim Raines ballots worked out. Yay. Yay. Uh, as did Jeff Bagwell's and Yvonne Pudge Rodriguez. Yeah, the All Pudge of- one was interesting. He just got in seventy six percent of the vote, but it's his first first kick at the can. So uh, I understand that some guys just don't ever vote for a guy on his first ballot unless he's Ken Griffey Jr. Um, three people, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but uh, three. <laughs> It's good that he got in because it's just one less name, one fewer name on the ballot for next year, which is going to be crowded again. Hoffman missed by 1%, which sucks for him. Vlad oh, yeah. was 3.8% or 3.3% shy. I am not, per se, a Trevor Hoffman fan. I never really watched baseball when he was at his peak. Um you know, so it's not like he really stands out for me. But at the same time, any guy who gets onto the ballot and gets up to the seventy percent marker, or or anywhere in that, and just misses, I'm I'm just heartbroken for him because knowing 
you could be a Hall of Famer if maybe you had done something somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I, that would just be too tough for me. <laughs> yeah. I just I mean, he depressed. will be. Yes. But he's going to he wait Vlad another will year. both get in next year. Yep. But just it's just so annoying. If both those guys had been able to get in, it would have cleaned up votes for guys like you know, Larry Walker, Mike Mussina, whomever that deserve to be in. The people aren't voting because they just they have them 11 or 12 or 13 on their ballot of all lock Hall of Famers. Yeah. And then you're going to add uh, Chipper Jones. Uh, you said Scott Rowland. And there's another first ballot guy coming on next year. Jim Tomey. Jim Tomey. <laughs> so those and guys. Andrew Jones. Yeah. Those guys. And Omar Vizquel. Get to move up from 12th. If you put Chipper Jones on the, you know, if you put three more guys to replace the three who just got inducted, uh, it's not getting any worse, I guess, but it's also not getting any better, um, right? Beca- because of the dumb rules, the the ten person limit is just dumb. Uh, yeah, yeah, we said that before, but uh, I Jonah Carey is vindicated, <laughs> as is as is Tim Raines. Um, so long overdue. So I'm kind of I'm playing around with the idea of actually going to Cooperstown this summer. I'm, I'm I've never made the trip. I think it's Book worth your making. hotel. Oh well, six not, months ago. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm not making it on Hall of Fame weekend. Oh, I'm not crazy <laughs> <laughs> or rich. <laughs> Come to think of it, <laughs> uh, it's right. a good time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you want to go to the question list? Many, many sure. Questions. We got a lot of questions from our readers today. We talked. You said our that at the top of the show, but yeah, <laughs> I read up. the podcast every week. <laughs> <laughs> I read the questions out loud. Um. <laughs> Yeah, but they uh, asked a bunch. It was nice. A lot of engagement. I guess people are happy because because <laughs> Jay's actually did something. Yeah, whether or not you like the actual move, it's a move. Woo! Uh, we can start with our early question from uh, BK at Brendan Kuhn. Uh, given that Morales is a legit 20, quote-unquote, runner, should the Jays prioritize having power behind him in the order? Yeah, for those unclear, 20 runners on the 20 to 80 scouting scale, which basically means he's as slow as dirt. <laughs> <laughs> that's official parlance well it's like he's dragging one of those rakes behind him around the infield like they do in the third inning that's yeah <laughs> it's beautiful it's uh, an interesting thought yeah so so whoever drives him is going to drive him forward with an extra base hit yeah or with a home run uh because yeah, you don't want someone quick behind him because this is whole clogging but the bases concept, right? They hit the ball into the gap. They're not going to be able to get the, as many bases because they got to run behind this guy. At the same time, I think the more the bigger priority, though, is having him hit behind guys that are going to get on base because he's a power bat who makes good contact. Yeah, so you want him pushing faster runners ahead of him. So if he hits a double and there's a man on first, you want that guy to come home most of the time. You don't want him to be the Clydesdale in front of him and end up with a guy on second and third or something stupid. Well, I mean, it doesn't even matter the speed so much as long as there's people there. You're all about the like OBP? He, he, he's not catching anybody, so you don't have to, it doesn't matter if they're fast or not. <laughs> You're down with OBP. I'd like to believe he's just going to hit a double every a double or homer every time up. Cool. But anyway, <laughs> just in regards to this question, the Jays are probably going to have Tulowitzki hit behind him, so he's not so fast and he hits per power, so <laughs> they're probably going to do it. We're all set. Uh, question two. Oh, uh, do we want to talk about chopped? I guess we sure. might as well. Um, so from Trist Anthony Bourdain, which is a very clever, uh, Twitter name at shift evil. 
which is a stranger Twitter name, um, who would win the Blue Jays Chopped episode? So apparently uh, the Blue Jays got invited this week to be on the Food Network Canada version of Chopped. And the Blue Jays were talking about were Marcus Stroman, Josh Donaldson, Jose Bautista, and Russell Martin. And if you're really curious about that, we actually have an update. Uh, I believe we have a yes from Marcus Stroman. And we have a MIA from Russell Martin and, uh, and a no from Donaldson. A no. I guess Donaldson's not much of a cook. Is that? Mm, That's what he sure. said. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's funny. You get all these replies. It's like they should have like an opening PSA from Brett Cecil. <laughs> <laughs> I, he was the first one I thought of too. <laughs> In case people are unaware, he missed, <laughs> this is back when he was still a starter. He missed a start because he cut his finger when he was cooking. That was in spring training, though, so he he made the recovery, I believe. Oh, wait, no, it happened to him twice. He was once when he was the closer, he cut his thumb in spring training, and then he cut his thumb, finger on a blender when he was a little, still a starter. My goodness. Uh, yeah, so he, unfortunately, he's a cardinal, so he can't do Chopped Canada at the moment. Um, who would win that episode? Do I believe well, that, that it would be... I'm going to go with Marcus it's, it's Stroman. Stroman. Yeah. He's also the only one who said he would go on, so he's definitely going to win. <laughs> Anything's possible. Uh, maybe they'll find some uh, former Canadian major leaguer, <clears throat> Matt Stairs, um, to come on and, uh, and go head-to-head with Strowman. That'd be fun enough, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Uh, do you want the next one? Sure. This one comes from 360 Blue Jays News at 360 Blue Jay News. How does the reported relationship between Shapiro and Edward Rogers and extra money affect the rest of the offseason? We alluded to this earlier, but we didn't really go on to what it means. How much extra money is, quote, extra money, unquote, I guess is what this comes right down to. Because even if, if Bautista, even if you look at what we thought the payroll was, Bautista doesn't actually bump up against the ceiling that we thought was already in place. So does that mean they now have like an extra $15 million on top of that, if you believe that report? Um, even Blair wasn't suggesting that, but even if it's an extra five million, I mean, if it if they had five to ten million left, there's a big difference between that and ten to fifteen million. If you're still trying to add a left-handed reliever whose markets are going insane, a backup catcher, starting pitching depth, and in our opinion, another left fielder. So how does that affect the offseason? It affects it a whole lot, I guess, because if they have that yeah, much I, more flexibility, this could be a great team. Yeah, it's, it's dramatic if it's actually a decent amount of money. And especially if it means that they can go and get good players to fill those roles as opposed to whoever's left. Fingers crossed. Uh, next, Quinn. Quinn sure. Sweetser at QSweetser17. Please rant about the atrocity that was the Murray <laughs> Chass, <clears throat> I misspelled ass, Hall of Fame ballot. Uh... Well, there's there's actually not that much to rant about because I'm looking here and there don't appear to be any check marks on the ballot about which to complain. We've railed on Murray Chass's ballots before. Wasn't he the guy who was talking about like he didn't research the players or something like that one year? Uh, yeah, that was two years ago. And then last year he only voted for Griffey. <laughs> and then this year he He's... submitted a blank ballot. Uh, he also... When it when it came to the attention, he, he in 2014 he said he was no longer going to vote, and then Rob Nyer and someone else said, "Oh, thank God," and 
he said, well, just to spite you, I'm going to keep voting. And but not take it seriously. Yeah. So he's legitimately voting for nobody out of spite, which makes this whole mess even harder to clear up. So, I mean, I don't think he deserves any more words from us. He's just a clown. Just remember that the Hall of Fame vote is actually about Murray Chass. <laughs> Nothing yeah. to do with anybody else. Uh, I would recommend an article that all I can remember is the title, which was from Joe Posnanski. Sorry, I remember the author as well, I guess, which is the Willie Mays Hall of Fame. And he talks about the arbitrary lines drawn about, well, you only have to have really, really good players in the Hall of Fame. And it's a, it's a really fun article as he eliminates people. Um electing them by the Willie Mays standard. Next question. Okay. So this one comes from Richard Hurley at Aonic Ennui. Where do you think the Jays truly stand on Dalton Pompey? Do you think he'll be an everyday major league outfielder soon, or is Alfred leapfrogging? Um, Alfred may injure himself if he attempts to leapfrog. He might injure both of them, based on their, their <laughs> track records last year. Um, they need Dalton Pompey to hit. I think that's the long and the short of it, isn't it? Like, well, and field, obviously. But, like, in, until Dalton Pompey knocks on the bloody door, they're not going to do anything with him. And last year, he did everything while injured that he never... I don't think his OPS ever crept over 800 in the minors. No, he didn't have a good year, and he was. He was. You know, he got a concussion. He banged up his knee. He banged up his ankle. He could just never get in any kind of groove because he just kept getting hurt. So, I don't think the Jays feel that he has been passed by Alfred. I, you know, Alfred hasn't played a game above high A ball yet, and Pompey's a twenty-three year old or twenty-four now. He's been in Triple A for three years. And, but Alfred but we for, was we also forget how old he, or young Dalton Pompey really is, just because he got to the big league so early. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was, I think, in you know, a tradition in that period was throw whomever at the wall. If they're, you know, if they're 19 or 18, that's fine. Then they stick. We'll, we'll run with them. If not, well, we stick them back in the minors and eventually trade them away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless uh, the Roberto was I honestly, yeah, exactly. I would actually, if they don't get any other outfielders, I would put Don Pompey in the opening day roster. You're a bold because man. Well, right now the Jays don't have any outfielders that can hit against right-handed pitching. It's just a small other detail, than isn't it? Yeah, well, yes, other than Bautista. Um, yeah, I, I mean, again, that's going to – I think I would want to see how he did in spring training first. Well, yeah, and if he looks completely lost, you can't do it. But if he hits even a little bit, like it looks like a guy who can play to something close to his – you know, 50th percentile projection. I mean, basically his floor against right-handed pitching is Ezekiel Carrera. <laughs> just, it, should we title the podcast, Let's Slag on Ezekiel Carrera? Uh, no, Zeke is fine. He's a decent fourth <laughs> outfielder. Just, he doesn't fit on this roster because of what he does. On another team, he's a very useful big leaguer. <laughs> like last year's team. Pre-opted. Yeah. 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 All right. So uh, the, the long or short question of that, did Alfred leapfrog? No, uh, and I won't say that he does until Alfred at least plays a month in AA. Uh, next, we have Daniel Levitan. Yeah, he, he has a couple. Uh, number one, so should we be holding our breath for a third outfielder at some point? Oh, I've, I've kind of addressed that already. Yeah, but I did have a thought. At some point, I think I said, don't hold your breath on Jose Bautista. Um, I'm not even going to apologize for that because if you had held your breath until Jose Bautista signed the contract, you would be stone dead. 
Yeah, okay. If you had held your breath from the moment it first was announced that they were close to when he actually signed, you'd be stone dead. That took like 40 hours. So, yeah, I'm still against breath holding, although I admit we were probably wrong about Jose Bautista hitting the road. Wait, we were definitely wrong. Uh, question. Wait. Hey. <laughs> did you, you... You were saying Bautista was coming back? Uh, probably not. Find me that audio. <laughs> we'll play it next week. Um, question two. Want to know why Vladdy gets more votes than Walker in the Hall of Fame debate. Don't think he's undeserving, but Larry Walker beats him in most categories. Uh, we alluded to that in the Hall of Fame episode, did we not? Yeah, we talked about that briefly with, I think it was Sam Mellinger that uh, discussed that specifically. Um, I, I think it's basically just, it's pretty simple. That co there's this Coors Effect concept with Larry Walker, and he just kept getting injured. So even though his numbers and his totals and everything are Hall of Fame and better than Vladimir Guerrero, he has knocks against him. Vladimir Guerrero doesn't, aside from his defense, which Hall of Fame voters don't care about anyway. The other factor that I, I've sort of seen mentioned is Vlad did very dramatic things because he was a bad ball hitter, because he had a cannon of an arm. I think he had a lot of moments where you went, oh my God, I can't believe that he well, just Walker did that. Walker had that same concept with the arm too. Like he was known for that. Well, they throwing the guy out at first base on a single, a potential a single. A few times he did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just basically Vlad was a more recent big star. And then I think that sways people. Yeah. There was a lot of drama in, in Vlad's career. Um, and for what it's worth. But uh, we'll get to Larry a little bit later. <laughs> uh, next question from Skeeter at Spez, baby. Uh, I just bought some whiskey. So what's your favorite whiskey? Follow up. How do you take it? Josh, I'm going to have to give this one to you. Oh, I'm, I'm, I like my whiskey. Uh, uh, an Ardbeg Oogadol. <laughs> <laughs> and I take it neat. I like uh, my scotch. I, I, I am not a whiskey drinker, so I'm going to have to take a pass on that one. Okay. I've literally had whiskey once. Well, you don't know what you're missing out on, Greg. I do, though, because I've had it once. <laughs> Um, there's different kinds <laughs> we're gonna have to remain apart on this one uh are we down to our last question do i we have are. All, these all right we've flown through these indeed uh adam ray at terminal underscore avenue with some sort of street fighter character as his icon here um do we have anyone in the minors who could conceivably make a big impact in the bullpen in 2017 what say you? I mean, I guess I, I guess the answer to that question depends on what you define as a big impact. I mean, guys that could really help a bullpen are, you know, the Connor Green or Sean Reed Foley, right? But they're not going to. The team wants them to stay as starting pitchers because that's where their value could lie. Which is fair. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, you have guys that are, you know, they've been minor leaguers for a long time. Like we saw Smith come up at the end of the season last year, throws really hard. And then you've got like uh, Glenn Sparkman, who, who, yes, we've laughed about this name before, <laughs> but uh, they were five picks. So there are guys, but I don't know about big impact. I, I just, I think that anyone who comes out from the minors, unless there's injuries, is going to be your, you know, fifth, sixth, sixth inning relievers. So there's your thought. The, the bullpen is 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 the most democratic uh, part of baseball, is it not? 
And when, whenever someone yeah. gets hurt, you get slotted into the lowest rung of the bullpen. So it actually takes a quite the confluence of events to end up from from the minors to an actual impact role, unless you're lucky like Joe Biagini. But even that took a whole season until they were really, or two thirds of a season until they were trusting him, right? Oh yeah, and 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 that was a guy they could not put in the minors and see what he could do. Yep, that'll be Glenn, that'll be Glenn Sparkman this year, <laughs> unless they give him back. Uh, all right, so can I do my former Blue Jay notes? Go for it. Uh, Anthony Ghost designated for assignment by the Detroit Tigers because they picked up Mike Machtuk. Mikey. Uh, Mikey. Mickey? Mikey. Uh, Ghost. Ghost traded for Devin Travis. Devin Travis is a player not without his flaws, but I'm going to have to go with Blue Jays won the trade. <laughs> hmm. I don't think you're going to find much disagreement on that one. Uh, and then uh, Blue Jays opening or debut legend jp aaron sibia has retired yeah and it was very funny the way he started it off it's, it's like i've never been, been able to take a walk <laughs> i didn't Poking see it fun of himself <laughs> so now he is taking a walk yeah so yeah Poor jp was JP. a guy who started uh, his very best day in the major leagues was his first day in the major leagues which is sort okay. of sad. His first day in the major leagues was better than most people's best days in the major leagues. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a fantastic first day, but it was almost like, and he, if he had quit then, he would have left us with an incredible sense of promise. And instead, he, he left us with the idea that the catcher of the future is never the catcher of the future. Yeah. I mean, the Jays have seen a few of those. But I do hope he does uh, does have some fun in his post playing career. He's made a couple dollars. He's uh, well. I mean, he's on the right start with his joke. Yeah, he said, "I really never could take a walk in my career, but this walk will be my biggest yet. I'm walking away from baseball." Wow. Uh, yeah. So good luck and goodbye. Uh, you yeah. had a do over, I think. I did have a do over. So we talked about one of these blank ballots a minute ago with Murray Chass. Well, he wasn't the only one that sent it, was sent in. There was a man who writes for the Cleveland Plain or something like that. I can't even remember what it's Cleveland.com. Named Bill Livingston. The Plain Dealer. That's it. And he wrote a whole long piece about, you know, the problems with the steroids and the, the Hall of Fame not helping decisions and MLB not helping. And then he said at the end, until they decide what to do about the stain on the game, I abstain. He wrote this all a nice letter and sent it along a signed blank ballot. <laughs> oh. That's not an abstention. That's a vote. <laughs> you know, and he kept saying, it's like, oh, I sent in this note. I sent in this note. Well, you know, the hall might not care. <laughs> they might say you sent in a signed ballot. We're counting it. And it turns out that's exactly what they did um, because Ryan uh, Thibodeau took a look at the voter list and Mr. Livingston's name is on it among the 442 ballots this year. There you go. Oh, it's just so the, the, here's the very, very the most simple do over we've ever had. <laughs> if you're ahead. doing something like this and you want to say you're not voting anymore, send in a letter and the ballot. Don't sign it. Just don't yeah. write anything on it. Just send it back. 
You know what? Better yet, don't even send the ballot. Just send them a yeah, letter. Just send the letter. Just say, hey, I'm done. <laughs> we would have next time. Probably. Just ridiculous. Like, how do you how do you not figure that out? Yeah, we could always look up abstain in the dictionary, but we don't necessarily follow. Need to? Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> Um, I would like to give out a, a gold star to um the Sydney Ponson fake Twitter account. The fact that there is a Sydney Ponson fake Twitter account is just remarkable in and of itself. <clears throat> That's Sir Sydney. Ah, yes, the member of the uh, the Dutch Order of Knighthood, Sir Sydney Ponson, um, who had a okay let's just get right down to it kurt he this person congratulated kurt schilling on the hall of fame (laughs) which of course he did not get elected to and kurt schilling came back at him uh and you know complained or you know said that he was crap and then people pointed out that maybe with 43 followers that that could be a fake Sidney Ponson account. Then Kurt Schilling insisted it was really him. And then someone pointed out that even in the Twitter bio, it says it's a fake account. And Schilling still insisted that he was arguing with the real Sidney Ponson. Saying it is him, no debate. Yeah, I know how dumb this guy is. I'm not debating about it. I don't think there really is a debate because when someone says, hey, I'm not this person, that pretty much clears up the debate. Especially uh, when it's a crappy former pitcher who would actually go by Sir Sidney Ponson. <laughs> like, there's some ego there. That guy's not going to go pretending he's a fake account. This man punched a judge once. Yeah, on a beach. <laughs> there's a sentence. How many times has that sentence been uttered on this podcast? He punched a judge on a beach. Not um, enough, Greg. Not enough. Uh, so, yeah, I give a gold star out to anyone who can make uh, Kurt Schilling waste more of his time on Twitter. Because my we don't goodness. give out gold stars for people who punch judges on beaches. We don't? Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to have to take that back. <laughs> oh, wait. No, it wasn't really Sidney Ponson, so we're going to give it back to him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, very funny. Uh, Kurt Schilling wastes a lot of time, and uh, I think this is probably the best way I've seen him waste time yet on Twitter. Uh, we wanted to get back to Larry Walker. We are, we are not, you know, a uh, big media name like Jonah Carey, uh, who championed the cause for Tim Raines. But there was there is a Twitter user who goes um, at bags for HOF for Jeff Bagwell, who championed Jeff Bagwell's Hall of Fame cause. So as of today forward, I would like to announce that the Artificial Turf Wars podcast at TurfPod is going to be Larry Walker's Baseball Hall of Fame champion. Because we think he deserves it, and he's nowhere near it right now. Not even close. 20-some-odd percent of the vote, which is insane. Exactly. And we want to correct that insanity. So, uh, obviously, you're not going to hear about it right away because the vote's a whole bloody year away. But we're going to put together a concentrated effort to get the Larry Walker into the Hall of Fame campaign started. He was a former Montreal Expo. He's Canadian. He was really, really good. Um, so that's that's our our big project for 2018. Yeah, sound good. Sound good. All right. Sound good. Do you have any? So other... when you check and you listen to this podcast, you will hear 
I'm just killing this today, aren't I? You, when yes. you go to the web, the Twitter, you will read that it is the official or unofficial <laughs> Larry Walker <laughs> champion. For the Hall of Can Fame. you be official? What, what makes this official? I don't know. We're uh, just going to call ourselves official. I don't care. So the slogan I think I've started with is Walker right in. Eh? Eh? Good one. I yeah, like you it. probably have a better slogan, folks. And if you do, tweet it back at us. Uh, we will come up with a Larry Walker get into the Hall of Fame slogan. Do you have a final thought, my friend? It's more of a final request. Hopefully not of so, me. <laughs> no, no, from our listeners. Last podcast, we did something a little different. You know, we did a two-part long-form episode on a specific niche item, which was the Hall of Fame. And it was different for us. We never done anything like that. So it actually requests that people you know, who follow us on Twitter or through the email, which is artificialturfwars at baseballperspectives.com, let us know what you think about us doing stuff like that because – you know, if you like it, we'll start doing more of it. If not, then we'll pretend it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the podcast that shall not speak its name. Uh, we did enjoy that. I, I had great fun with it. So, yeah, if uh, if there's any thoughts about other topics or other things to talk about, especially in the long off offseason, uh, I'm 100% for finding out what you folks are curious about. And uh, we'll go from there. So, on that note, I have been... Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010 and you have been Josh Housem at Joshua Housem and you can follow the Turf Pod itself at Turf Pod and this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 42 and we'll see you in a couple of weeks we went an entire episode without that Steve Pierce joke no we're slipping (laughs) 